You see so many more male attorneys marketing and branding themselves. And I think it's primarily because we don't see, you know, they say you, you can only become what you can see, right? We don't see it. Welcome to a very special episode of the Game Changing Attorney podcast recorded live at the Game Changer Summit. I'm taking over today's episode featuring Director of Operations at Flood Law Firm, Rachel Flood, Owner and Lead Attorney at Devana Law Firm, Miriam Carrigian, Senior Partner at Disability Attorneys of Michigan, Samantha Ball, and Adjunct Professor and Trial Attorney at Alexander Shinara Personal Injury Law, Sarah Williams. So I think it's important to have women leaders in place so that more women feel comfortable stepping up and stepping to the table. I'm Jessica Mogul, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. Alongside Michael Mogul, we've built this business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to Michael's name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, we sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This lineup of incredible leaders join me on stage live at the Game Changer Summit to discuss how to positively and effectively influence a diverse team, why sacrifices are necessary to achieve success, and how to guarantee your input is heard. Stop waiting to be invited. So many times I'm in these rooms, these wonderful masterminds with just amazing attorneys with so much to teach us, and there's not enough women in the room. And while there's all these other wonderful attorneys to learn from, there are a lot of other spaces for women to join in. Don't wait for someone to invite you, invite yourself. That's what's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney podcast. This panel is not going to be a panel about work-life balance because I'm pretty sure no one up here embraces work-life balance. We embrace work-life integration and we embrace leadership um, and being the women that are driving that forward as an entrepreneur, as a female business owner. And to kick that off, I really want to start with what is the definition of leadership? So Rachel, what would you say is your definition of leadership? I think that um, in my firm, just being able to show people that they can kind of make their own path mm -hmm. and not have to follow what they think a leader is um, and just kind of follow their passion and their drive to, to succeed. Awesome, awesome. And um, Sam, what would you say is your leadership style and how do you lead others? Um, I think I'm all about connection and opportunity. So I'm really big on bringing the team together. It doesn't have to be all about me. Um, I want others to succeed and grow and just bring it to that higher level as a team. Right. Awesome. Awesome. And um, Miriam, what would you say has been the biggest factor in your success and what has actually prepared you for leadership? That's two questions. <laughs> you That's get two. Um, <laughs> the ability to kind of see yourself in other shoe and kind of relate to your clients and your team. And we females tend to be more nurturing. So the key to success is to be nurturing, whether it's a challenge or an injured client. I think our strength comes in nurturing. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, yes. And, and Sarah, what are some common misconceptions that you see um, that people have about female attorneys and business owners? So I know you're actively involved in a college and teaching and everything. So what are some of the common misconceptions that you see? I think that the biggest struggle that we have as women is this like tendency to downplay our strengths, right? Because we're so worried about, you know, if I'm very direct, I'm a very direct person. Are people going to think I'm a bitch or, and, and just not worrying about what people think and what people perceive you as and just being the leader that, that you know you need to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I'm actually going to go further on that because Sarah recently had a post about that being bossy versus being bitchy. <laughs> um, and can you elaborate on what your take is on that? <laughs> yeah. So I think um, a common experience that women in this room probably have is you send an email and someone's like, the tone of your email. And it's like, dude, I told you to like turn your numbers in. By the end of the month, <laughs> you know, my email did not have a tone. But at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to change my directness because you are not accustomed to strong women. I think as strong women, we just have to make the world accustomed to us. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Love that. And... And Sam, why would you say that women leaders matter? Why are they needed in the legal industries particularly? Well, it's a lot about balance, right? So we have clients that come from all different walks of life and not all of our clients are male, right? right. So you need female leaders to help really build that, that balance, right? We're, we're part of the story. And I get tired of... Um, hearing other females apologize for being great at what they do. Don't apologize for being good at your job. You know, just rise to the occasion and like Sarah said, let the world around you meet you. Yeah, let them level up to you. <laughs> um, and Miriam, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you have faced as a female leader and entrepreneur? My biggest challenge, I don't know if anybody can relate, but my biggest challenge is myself, right? The fear in me of, can I do it? Am I good enough? Am I capable enough? And I think it takes a lot of people who care for you to kind of bring out your best and let you see for what you are. But my biggest challenge is that, that I have internal fears. And by being on this panel or seeing other women do it, that is why it's so important because it allows you to kind of disengage the fear and come, come, come out stronger. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, and Rachel, I'm going to ask you this one because I know you also work with your husband, <laughs> so it is not for everyone. I will say that. Um, but I do feel that most women often feel like they have to compromise in the workplace between life, between work, between children, spouse, whatever that might be. And so how would you say that you've maintained your authenticity through that balance? Um, I think it's just a matter of knowing that it's not so much balance, but that you're just going to have to kind of focus your time on different things depending on what's going on and learning to ask for help and support in the areas that you need it. So if you're very involved and something going on at work, you know, maybe you need more help at home or with your kids um, and vice versa. And I think, you know, they, it's not always easy to ask for help, but once right. you kind of get to that point, um, it definitely makes it easier. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then um, I'm going to open this one kind of up to everyone, but we'll start with um, Sam. Have you ever experienced resistance and leading men? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's sometimes some difficulty more so from an older regime of thinking. Mm -hmm. um, I have worked with men that <laughs> I've been called a skirt before. I've had um, 
men that have a hard time calling me Samantha and prefer to call me Sam. And when I've done a good job, they called me a swell chap. Oh. <laughs> The thing about it for me is that I never looked at that as a fight or a battle. It was more of an opportunity. I had an opportunity to learn from these individuals that weren't necessarily comfortable working with me, but because I went into it looking at it as that opportunity, I gained a tremendous amount of knowledge and experience that now I, I work with a lot of male attorneys and have over the years that I think um, it really has evolved and I don't meet the same type of resistance. Mm -hmm. And I think also because I'm more of an inclusive team type leader, that helps a lot with that. I think it's a really an interesting dynamic when we talk about opportunities and when I've had attorneys that were from that older regime that I've learned from, what I am finding is as we bring in new and younger attorneys, especially men that are growing their own families, there are so many ways that they can relate to us that they can't relate to their male leaders in the same way. So being a positive mirror, not just for other female leaders, but for those young men that are, are coming up in the business and want to have um, all of those things with their family, they're struggling with the same issues we are. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. Um, anyone else, has anyone else had any resistance leading men? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I managed a firm that had over 100 lawyers and, and 80 of them were men. I think, though, the important thing for me was my core group of lawyers who supported me. Uh, I'm a guy's girl. I, I grew up with two older brothers. Like, I'll fight a dude, you know? So, so for me, the resistance, like, I, I recognized it, but I did not ever let it limit me. And I think that's an important thing for us to talk about because I feel like what happens is you come to conferences like this, which are tremendous in terms of your growth as a professional, and then you may end up with a bad experience with a handful of guys, and then you're like, okay, I'm not going to do those conferences again. And I think it's really important as women to support each other. Like, you know, these women who've been involved in CRISP have been so instrumental in pushing me to step outside of my comfort zone or push past, you know, bad experiences to continue to do the work. Because at the end of the day, the guys are going to be here, right? If you don't show up, nobody cares, right? So you still have to show up irrespective of what the resistance is. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's such a good point. And having each other push one another. And so, Rachel, would you say there are any big female influences that you've had in your life that have helped you with this? Yeah, I actually think a lot of the people that I work with have helped sort of push me outside of my comfort zone. Um, in our firm, we have almost 50 people. It's 75% women. Um, and most of those women all have children under 10. Um, so I think we have a firm that's very supportive of working mothers and helping each other kind of, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times there's those conversations where somebody says, I'm failing as a mom or I'm failing at work because they feel like they can't get everything done. And that's, you know, knowing that there's other people that kind of have those moments and feel that way and you can sort of support each other and say, no, you're not failing, you're doing great. Um, and that's just kind of been an inspiration to me is just seeing how other people are balancing it and we can all kind of support each other. Yeah, we actually have a joke with some of the moms in the office. Anytime any of us are kind of like faltering or like last week, I hardly saw my children prepping for this. And then anyone will just be like, you're a good mom. Just don't forget, you're a good mom. <laughs> so now, Miriam, you have an interesting perspective because your team is 
pretty much all female. So what is that like? <laughs> well, it was all female until this year of March, but I think having all females, we root for each other. We kind of cheer each other up. And I, I love that factor within my firm, but now we have our first male attorney and I thought maybe there's going to be some difficulty, but he's embraced us and he's just an intricate part of the team. I, I don't see a difference. I think the, the strength is to just kind of plow through and not reserve yourself. I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And then kind of moving into that work versus home, and I don't think it has to be a choice. It's coming. <laughs> um, so Sarah, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, but I will say what personal choices have you made that have allowed you to be a leader and also you know, a great influence to your daughter as well? So the choice for me was to, to like get out of the competition. Like I've got a skill set, and my skill set is trying cases. My skill set is not baking cookies and cleaning the house. <laughs> like that's not my skill set. And so before um, my husband and I entered into a relationship, I was real clear. Like, hey, these are my expectations, right? Yeah. I don't plan on. I plan on always working. I plan on being the primary breadwinner. So you're either. You're either on the bus or you're not on the bus, <laughs> you know, but, but for us, I think the thing has been, especially living in the South, to not be concerned about the cookie cutter family structure and to create a family structure that is right for us. And, and it's, it, it's difficult because sometimes, you know, you'll see things and your kids will say things. But I will tell you recently, my little girl's um, third grade teacher called me and she said, you know, one of the things that she does so well is when she has to stand up in class, she has this great presence and she stands up straight and all the kids want to listen to her and I don't know what you're doing. And so I thought to myself, I'm so glad that I took her to trial team practice and didn't have a regular bedtime. You know, the things that I felt guilty about not doing have actually worked to her benefit. Seeing me do what I do is the biggest benefit for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ask anyone in the team, um, Mila's favorite place is the office. So anytime she's in her play cart, where are you going, Mila? To Mila's office. Not mommy or daddy's office, Mila's office. (laughs) But it's setting that example from the beginning. And um, Miriam, would you say, have you had to make any trade-offs for, you know, being able to be an entrepreneur as well as a mother? Well, before I get to that question, I kind of play off on what Sarah said. Um, I know we want to be strong and come across as if we have no fears, but I come from a place of tradition, strong tradition. I'm Armenian, and I hold my place so true, being a mom, being the nurturer. And when I want to put my kids to bed, that, that comes first to me. And I usually draw a line. And even being so traditional, I think it's also possible to be strong and to be a good attorney and to have your own practice. So going into your question, I think uh, being an entrepreneur was hard, but I needed the support of my family and my friends. And they all came through and kind of gave me that push, which I think you can't have if you don't have a good network of people helping you. Oh, yeah. It- it takes a full village. But I will also echo that ever since Mila was born, that was a non-negotiable for me. The entire office knew that. I mean, I used to be there until 9, 10 o'clock every night and bath time every night was non-negotiable. And I said, you can reach me after that. I will do everything, but I will be there every single night to put her to sleep. And so I don't think you do have to compromise um, and that. And so, um, yeah. And then Sam, actually on that note, women are often placed as the homemaker, which Sarah, you and me, we will never bake cookies together because that's also me. Um, (laughs) Not my my ministry. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's what for early on, I said, Michael, you can have me in the business. You can have me at home. It will be more advantageous in the business. (laughs) 
So, um, but Sam, you know, in this dynamic and having to be home a lot more uh, with just the realities of the world now, has it been more of a positive impact or a negative impact? So I think it was a positive impact for my girls. I have two daughters, 17 and 12. And the interesting thing is that I was never really home. So when the world shut down, I was the one at the office taking care of everything at the office. Now, I, I fortunately live really close to the office, so right. that helps. But I don't view it as a trade-off or even a compromise. Listen, everybody chooses what's going to work best for their family dynamic. And I, like you and Sarah, I'm not at home baking cookies. <laughs> I have maybe one or two things that are my specialty, and I get to make those when I'm on vacation. <laughs> so um, I just don't view it as a trade-off or a compromise. It, it's just becoming what we are as a family, um, just different from those traditional norms. Mm -hmm. But why do we have to follow all of the traditional, traditional norms, right? You can make those adjustments. So in a lot of ways, it was even better for my daughters to be home with their father more. Right. I think they got a huge benefit from that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Rachel, how have you balanced being that, again, kind of going back to being in the business also with your husband and then being a working mom? And how, what does your integration look like? <laughs> it's chaotic at times. Yes. My kids are young, <laughs> four, six, and seven. Um, and we started the firm nine years ago. So I was, you know, ha we had very young children through this whole process. Um, I think just Really having like that strong passion and belief in what you're doing helps because our kids know that we care so much about our clients and what we're building at our firm and our team that I think they can see even from a young age how, um, you know, what, you know, how we value our work. So it's not, you know, a lot of times you hear people talk about their kids or why they you know, work and what they're working for. But I feel like really it's, it's also beyond that, that like my work is the why I'm willing to leave my kids um, because I believe in what I'm doing and I care about our clients and building our firm and I care about our team. So it's something that I'm willing to sacrifice some mm -hmm. of my time with my kids. And even though it's hard at times, um, I couldn't do that for something that I didn't care about so much. Um, and so I think, you know, our kids can see that, that it's something that it's, it's worthwhile what we're doing. Absolutely. I always say Chris was my first child. <laughs> so, um, and Miriam, I want to go back to you of kind of like your traditional um, upbringing and expectation there. Has there been a female influence in your life that has kind of led you to being able to say, I can be strong in both places? Actually, I wish the answer was yes. I, I want to say no. And that's why I'm so big about motivating the younger generation being a positive kind of influence for them, opening up my door to every single female or even male, anybody that wants to kind of see how to do it, I always welcome that because if I had it, I'd be here quicker. And I know that this is not a race, but but for certain things lining up for me, I wouldn't be here, period. So I think it's so important to kind of find that person motivates you and watch them and grow with them. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm with you. I'm over half of our team is female. So I, I get that. <laughs> um, and, and Sarah, what would you say are the benefits of having women in leadership? I think the first benefit is what Miriam was talking about is being visible, because I think like you see so many more male attorneys marketing and branding themselves. And I think it's primarily because we don't see, you know, they say you, you 
can only become what you can see, right? We don't see it, right? So when you step out there, it feels like you're stepping out there on a limb um, and doing something different because I think the way women market and brand themselves is different and it's unique, right? And, and so I think oftentimes women are hesitant to do things like that because they think, well, I'm not gonna, I'm, I can't be Alex, right? I'm not gonna do those things, but you don't have to. And so I think it's important to have women leaders in place so that more women feel comfortable stepping up and stepping to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And and Sam, what would you say in terms of, you know, how do choices for men and women differ when they are pursuing leadership? So do you feel that they have to go over different struggles or what does that look like to you? Yeah, I just don't think of it as different. Yeah. Um, I've never approached it thinking, oh, I'm here, I'm going into a more male dominated field. I, I never focused on that. I just knew who I was, what I wanted to do and that what that end game looked like for me mm-hmm. and didn't look at everything else that was yeah. going on around me. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and Rachel, because I know we talked about earlier leading and has that been different leading men, but have you been treated differently in the open um, with colleagues or anything for being a female? Uh, I'm like you where I think it's kind of hard because I work with my husband. So there's sort of like that cliche, yes. like, oh, she's just here because yes. she's married, <laughs> you know, who she married. Um, so I think Um, I think sometimes people initially think that about me, but then once they see that I'm probably getting there before them and leaving after them, and now I kind of take it on as like a challenge that, you know, I will, if somebody thinks a a certain way about me, they're going to quickly realize that that's not, um, that that's not who I am. Um, So I think that I found that, you know, once, you know, when you're willing to kind of put in the hard work and work alongside people, they're usually willing to allow you to lead them. Right. Um, so that's been, that's been my experience, but it is kind of, it, it is kind of a sticky situation when you're working with your husband. Oh, yes, yes, that's a whole other panel. Um, <laughs> um, so Sarah, how would you say that, you know, this generation, how can we be a better influence to the next generation? Like how can we encourage and inspire them? I think it's important for us to just continue doing what we're doing and, and continue to be visible, but to also, I think, educate on, you know, not just our female counterparts, but our male counterparts as well on things that like make women less likely to participate. Like, don't ask us where who's watching our children when we come to things like these, right? Because what happens is, it it makes us feel like you don't think I should be in this space. And while I don't care what you think, right, I'm less likely to want to come to this space. So I think it's important for us to have very upfront and honest conversations from obviously, y'all know me, a place of love and graciousness, Um, but, but very direct about the things that we've experienced. And so that because we're in a position where we can have those honest conversations, right? Nobody's gonna take a job from from us. We're not worried about where our next case is coming from, right? If I offend some some dude in this audience, Alex is still gonna feed me, like I'm good, (laughs) right? And so we can say the things that some of our younger counterparts cannot so that they don't necessarily have to experience some of the things that we experience. Yeah, absolutely. And Miriam, since you've kind of paved this way on your own and you haven't had that person, what are you most excited about for the next generation? of women leaders. I'm super excited. It's hard. It's tough to follow Sarah's act because she's just so <laughs> eloquent and she has right words, but 
Sarah. <laughs> um, I think for the next generation, uh, we don't have to try too hard. I think they learn by watching. It's not, you know, I have two daughters and a son, but my girls watch and they kind of mimic that. So I could say one thing, but if, if I do something else, then they will mimic what it is that I do. So for the next generation, as long as we're present, as long as we have panels such as this one, as long as we're included within this beautiful profession, which allows me to make, uh, to help people, I think we're, we're on the right track. Yeah. Having two daughters yourself, what example are you hoping to set for them? Um, I'm just going to push through, break every kind of cultural or gender barrier that's out there and not even question it. I'm, I'm moving forward and I'm excited to see what's in the future for me. Absolutely. Actually, everyone up here has daughters. So what's the example we're setting for them? So Sam. So I have, a, like I said, a 17-year-old and a 12-year-old. And um, to see that come back at you, right? You, the, the lessons they learn as they see your strength and your arguments. Um, I tell you, my 17-year-old has the best arguments as they come back to me. But I'm so proud because it shows that she's thinking through things. She's speaking up for herself. And she's not afraid to fight for herself and for what yeah. she believes is important. And to know that my, my daughter seeing that in me is so important. And I'm just so proud of that. I love that. And Rachel, what about what example are you hoping to set for your, your children and your um, daughter? Yeah, I have. Three strong-willed children, yes. but yes, a very strong-willed six-year-old daughter. Um, <laughs> but hopefully I'm just setting an example that for all my kids just to, you know, follow what they're passionate about and find something that they, that they care about um, for, for their work. So that's the hope and that I think, you know, there's so many strong women in the legal field that are setting a great example. And now I hope it's kind of getting to the point that when my daughter or son, they're entering the workforce, that it's more just about picking the best candidate than right. being concerned about whether the person is, you know, a woman or a man or whether they have children and that's going to impact their ability to work, but just picking the best person. Yeah, absolutely. That's what Michael says all the time. He's like, I don't care if they're purple or orange or what they are. I want the best person. And I will actually say all of Chris' leadership team, our exec team is all female without <laughs> Michael, of course. <laughs> so, um, and Sarah, what example are you or message are you trying to send for your daughter as well? I just, I really want her to go through life as herself and not being as concerned about what people think about what she's doing. Um, because I feel like I learned that lesson so much later in life. Like, I feel like as girls, we're socialized to, if you're too much, like most of us on this panel were probably <laughs> told as little girls, we were too much. And so then you go through grade school and you suppress that. And then all of a sudden you're in a position where you need that again. I don't want her to ever lose that spirit. Right. So my, my goal, and it's hard. It's hard parenting a child like you. Um, but my goal is for her to never lose that spirit so that she doesn't have to, you know, read all of Brene Brown's books to figure it out and try to get it back. Yes, yes. Um, all right, and then our closing question for each of you, and we'll start with Rachel here. What advice do you want to give to the next generation of women leaders? Again, I think... Going back to what I said, hopefully everybody, um, the next generation can really just kind of focus on being able to be themselves and pursue their passion and, you know, and, and know that they can, you know, quote unquote, have it all so that there doesn't have to be a choice between being a mother or, you know, being an attorney or having a career or your own business that 
people will know that, you know, there's a way to have everything that you want in life. Awesome. Yes. And Sam? Don't apologize for being badass at what you do. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think the second thing is to um, stop waiting to be invited. So many times I'm in these rooms, these wonderful masterminds with just amazing attorneys with so much to teach us, and there's not enough women in the room. And while there's all these other wonderful attorneys to learn from, there are a lot of other spaces for women to join in. Don't wait for someone to invite you, invite yourself. Love that, yes. <laughs> all right, Miriam. Mind singular, really just identify the fears that you have within you and just do away with them. As long as you're able to identify the fear and then you're able to overcome it and just go straight ahead. Awesome, and Sarah. Um, it's okay to be selfish. I think we're all raised to think that's the, the worst thing to be, but it's okay to be selfish and put yourself first and, and say, like, I'm going to step out there and brand myself and market myself and take that time to myself because you are as important as the family you support and the business that you're supporting. I want to give a huge thank you to all four members of our Women Legal Leaders panel for sharing their valuable insights with us at the Game Changers Summit. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with me, Jessica Mogul. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could share it with one ambitious law firm owner you think would benefit. And you know what? Maybe more than one. For more information on the panel, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit gamechangingattorney.com. And join us next time when Michael will be speaking with serial entrepreneur, renowned business strategist, and marketing expert, Roland Frazier. I think the once in a lifetime deal comes along three or four times a year. And so the deals that you don't do are much more important than the deals you do do because if you get bogged down with the so-so deals, then the once in a lifetime ones might pass you by or you might not have the resources to be able to do them at the time that they show themselves. That's next time on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. Mm -hmm.